Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm back with that snack, Polly Cupcakes. Hello, hello. Caps fans, we've got a uh, pretty good episode, as always, for you lined up. We're going to be talking about some league news, some some hockey news in general, of course, in the first half of the show. And then we'll talk about the uh, Washington Capitals and the weekend review as to, you know, what they've been doing and how, how they've uh, performed in the past week. Again, you know, roller coaster of a season. So we had, we had our ups, we had our downs, um, but ended up kind of even keeled. Uh, both literally and figuratively uh, in this season. So, Polly, why don't we uh, pop some tabs and, and get it going? Let's do it. One, two, three. All right. First off, kind of a little call, a little deep cut. If you know anything about uh, me, you know that my first live hockey experience was with the Omaha Lancers in the USHL. Fucking sick barn. Shout out Xarban Arena, which is where I believe they still play to this day. Um, you know, just a single tier barn, uh, probably capacity for a few thousand. Uh, and I'll, let me tell you what, they used to pack the fucking house in that place and it would get absolutely insane. Uh, love the junior hockey, but uh, unfortunately the Lancers have made some <laughs> some headlines off of a viral clip of their game where uh, David Posma who looks to be a, uh, a uh, defenseman steps up to stop a breakaway kind of coughs. the I believe he turns the puck over and then, and then the offensive player comes charging back on an empty net while uh, David Posma bodies him, throws him to the ice. And I would say takes like three to four, just solid, solid full swing lumberjack chops to the player who is literally sliding on his belly towards the, uh, towards the goal. I, I, I think, you know, to Posma's credit, he did save the goal. I don't yeah. think that the, guy, the guy did not score though. I'm sure it was an automatic goal the way that he was taken down on his way to the net. Yeah. So I think he actually, he was like, I think he, they call it the can opener when you get between the legs and take someone down. So oh, yeah. he got, so he, he he started with the can opener and then like gave him the shove. And then when the guy's on his knees going for the puck, yeah, he smacked him in the head. Yeah. And then he with like, stick, like hard. yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. was terrible. And, and then like, he's on the ground still sliding and he like made sure to push him and direct him away from the net. Like he was like ushering him to the corner. Um, <laughs> with his stick. All with his stick, yeah. folks. I mean, this is, you know, I've never hidden how much I hate stick play as a weapon. Sure. But honestly, like as long as this guy who he attacked 
or salted is okay. I can't help but laugh because this is just ridiculous. Right. And the kid's okay, right? Uh, I don't think there any injury happened, but it was – uh, I mean, it was a pretty embarrassing play on Posma's side. The announcer absolutely shreds him. And he's like, what, you know, Posma, David Posma does not belong in this league. Like he straight says that on the, on the broadcast that hit the, or on the clip that we saw. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, shit's hilarious. I, I at, at the point after like the first slash, which was egregious, uh, yeah. an egregious slash that while the guy was literally on the ice, <coughs> um, you can just see like pause and go like, fuck it. I'm already getting at least a sussy off this. I might as well make it count. And he goes in for like two more hacks at the guy. Um, I, you know, this is uh that's junior hockey, baby. You know, these, this Posma and, and the other guy as well, uh, you know, playing for a roster spot, playing for, for, you know, leaving it all on the ice, that's for sure. And the way that Pazma exhibited his effort uh, was completely unacceptable. But uh, I just, I caught that and I, I saw the clip first and I was like, what, what is, where is this from? And then I looked into it further and I was like, oh, Omaha, nice. <laughs> Go Lancers. <laughs> you know, as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, I watch Notre Dame play on Peacock, and then I have to watch this type of broadcast for the, the USHL. They got to yeah. step up broadcasting game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the crazy thing is, is that the USHL had been televised even back when I was a kid. Um, you know, in the in the nineties and early two thousands, like they still, you know, and and it was obviously local TV, uh, yeah. and the quality was absolutely piss poor. But it seems like it's only marginally improved. Uh, since the creation of HD television. So, yeah, I think honestly, I, I, I think the USHL has probably taken a big hit with the resurgence of uh, college hockey. I mean, yeah, I feel like some guys might play in the USHL before they're 18 now, but then, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, For sure. you know, with the fact that you have college hockey on Peacock and ESPN plus and all the college networks, like, um, I know this this news bite was about what happened, but I just couldn't help but comment on, you know, this caliber of hockey. It's a shame that they're having that broadcasting. Yeah. So the USHL is what? What do they call that? Um, junior A. Junior A. It's Junior A, like Tier One or whatever. Yeah. It's the highest level of Junior A, Junior hockey that you can play in the United States. And at one point. It was the premier United States Junior League. Uh, anymore, I'm not sure. I think their reputation's waned a little bit. I think that uh, just like every other hockey league, uh, money issues became a problem. But um, glad to see that they're still chugging away and glad to see that the Omaha Lancers are still alive. You know, yeah. junior hockey is awesome. Yeah, it is. And typically, uh, during these leagues, like, uh, cause we were season ticket holders, like, you know, obviously at the end of the season, you would get a program and you would, there would be a handful of guys who would be sent away in reaching a different, a higher echelon of hockey. So a lot of them would get picked up by like St. Cloud state and Minnesota, you know, they would, they would be going on them being, you know, 18 to 20, uh, would go on to play college hockey. So that was the goal for them. Uh, back in the day, uh, very rarely did you see guys go straight to the NHL or to an ECHL club or to an AHL club. So they weren't even really uh, in in the mix when it came to um, uh, actually making it to the league yet. Though I did see guys play like Dan Ellis, who was a goalie for the Lightning, a backup. Um, saw Jed Ortmeyer. Uh, Ryan Malone, they all played in in uh, in for the Lancers in in Omaha. So, kind of a cool uh, thing. NHLers did come from that league, and for a US back in that time, you know, in the late '90s and early 2000s, a NHL full timer to come from a US uh, junior have have like that pedigree of a US uh, junior league was pretty intense. Yeah, and uh, you know, I hope I hope it sticks around. Yeah, but yeah, 
You know, I mean, like you said, the NCAA is becoming such a, a better development league for the NHL, um, which is which makes sense to most Americans. But for hockey, uh, it really hasn't been that way. And since the past, you know, beyond the past 10 years, really. Um, so, you know, and, and the NCAA has really caught steam being a development league for the NHL in the past five, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right. Crazy junior tangent. I just saw that and, and was like, <laughs> Omaha Lancers, I fucking love it now. Because at first I was like, Jesus Christ, that's fucking attempted murder. And then I saw it was the Lancers and I was like, that's tight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to some uh, some crappier news, I guess. Well, um, depending on how you look at it. I mean, I'm going to call it crappy. Uh, Lucic had his domestic violence charges dropped. His wife refused to testify after saying that he choked her and pulled her hair. So the 911 call wasn't admitted as evidence. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the tale is old as time when it comes to domestic violence in, you know, kind of hockey and, and really all professional athletes. Uh, the Bruins still haven't terminated his contract. I don't believe they really can uh, without uh, some sort of penalty towards them, either financially or otherwise. And uh, he, but he remains on indefinite leave as he gets help through the player assistance program for, you know, alcohol abuse is, is I think what they referenced. And of course, uh, obviously he's not mentally in a good spot. Uh, well, we won't dive into that because we're going to talk about that on the hockey troll hip check on Thursday. So I'm going to unpack just a little bit of that um, and talk about, you know, other cases that we've seen and, uh, and kind of do that on the hockey troll hip check. So uh, kind of some tough bounces there, uh, but Tune in on Thursday and we'll, we'll deep dive that. Um, moving on, though, Yager's jersey retirement is today, Sunday, as we're streaming. We're doing an early stream today at 1 p.m. Um, but uh, So we're recording on Sunday at 1, but uh, today is the uh, Yager jersey retirement. I saw him skating with the team, did a little bit of pracky with the boys. Yeah, he could still do it. He, he could still run for fourth line minutes. Yeah, fourth liner, power play guy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the power play is where the pins need the most help, along with depth scoring. So, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty kind of uh, funny, I guess, to see. But congratulations to Yager, obviously. X-Cap Yager, that is. Uh, we're probably not going to retire as Jersey, but glad to see that he's getting a retirement in the club that he won back-to-back with. Um you know, with Lemieux and, and whatnot. So <clears throat> congrats to Yarmir Yager, man. What a fucking legend. 52 still doing it. Yeah. Absolute beauty. Um, you know, basically half the league could retire his Jersey if they wanted to, you know, with all the teams he's played for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Boston, New York, uh, Florida, the caps. Yeah. A lot of them. Calgary, Dallas. <laughs> yeah yep uh quite the prolific team guy if you will yeah well and speaking of retirement uh megan augusta has retired from canadians women hockey um she is a three-time gold medalist two-time world champion she was the mvp for team canada and the um uh the entire women's olympic uh, hockey tournament in Vancouver in 2010. She's sixth in goals and points for Hockey Canada and seventh in assists. So congrats on her uh, retirement. Great career. She's a constable over in Vancouver now. Uh, so she's Is that been, a cop? Uh, something in law enforcement. I know that. Okay. So, yeah, she uh, she's been balancing – hockey in her career since looks like 2015 but now she's officially on her way out well congratulations man i mean good for her and hopefully her new career is quite fruitful and and that she likes it you know yeah absolutely so you got a comment up there from our uh yeah you know this guy graham parks yeah Yeah. he was he was on the the hockey roster in college yeah West Lib alum, shout out. Uh, he says that half the league could retire Yager's jersey. I don't know if Polly did you did you see this comment before you said that? 
No, I didn't. He may have commented before I said it, but oh, don't make him famous. Too late, man. You yeah, too you, late. You bud. put your you put your name on this podcast. You're gonna be in the papers. Instant fame. Enjoy. You know, don't call us when you know people are recognizing you out on the street. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, moving on, <clears throat> let's talk about some injuries. Akari out for the pins, plus Gensel. Gensel and Akari both out, which is rough. Gensel is looking to be traded, likely, um, or kept. Who knows what the Penguins are going to do. Hopefully they keep Gensel and re-up him for like $30 million a year. That would be great. Further yeah. hamstring their, their rebuild. Uh, but looks like they're both out <coughs> um, long-term. Akari got hit, and and I think he's got dealing with a concussion, upper body injury, and then Gensel looks like uh, four weeks out with an upper body. Is that right, Polly? Yeah, that's what I found. I didn't see specifics, which normally you don't unless it's a season ending. Um, but yeah, he's he's out for expected four. Yeah, um, Sam Gerard came back uh, about uh, I think late in December, uh, and played against the Caps this week. So looks like. He's back from getting help from the players' assistance program, which is good. Uh, glad to see him back. He looked good. Yeah. Just spoiler yeah, he, alert uh, there. He, uh, you know, he's he's the guy who broke his collarbone in the first round of the Stanley Cup run for the Avs, and he's been kind of um, he's been the capital or the Avalanche fan base's. Uh, he's been their whipping boy, which I think is very. <laughs> unfair he's a very talented player and i'm glad to see that he's back from his treatment and hope he's doing well mentally because he's doing well on the ice it looks like yeah sam gerard was the guy that got uh, a little overshadowed by mccarr's presence but before kale mccarr sam gerard was that defenseman for the uh, colorado avalanche well he came in on the matt duchene trade and i think a lot of people were like uh who's this guy and then real quick he showed us yeah, absolutely. So glad to see him back and, and killing it. So good for him. Um, Wheeler out for the season. I'm guessing that's Blake Wheeler for yeah, the Blake, Mets. Blake, Blake Wheeler in New York. Oh, New York. Oops. Um, yeah, out for the season after suffering a lower body injury Thursday against Montreal. That's a tough break for the New York Rangers who haven't really been able to figure it completely out. You know, pretty much the Metropolitan favorite to, you know, pretty, pretty dominant, see a long postseason, But, uh, you know, they've, according to Rangers fans, botched a bit of the rebuild after St. Thomas beat them all up and body slammed Panarin. Uh, they decided to go a little bit tougher when they were really leaning into the uh, really just more of a skilled kind of identity. And, uh, you know, as you remember, Caps fans, there was a big toss up and, and uh, Tom Wilson beat up a bunch of people. And then, <laughs> and then the, the New York Rangers released a statement about fucking terrible violence or some shit. And then they got all butt hurt and then started getting people like Ryan Reeves. And it was just kind of a, a shit show from there. Um, so unfortunate for Wheeler, who's, I believe this is the same Wheeler that was in Winnipeg, right? Who was absolutely dominant. Yeah. 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 So uh, tough going for, for Blake Wheeler, a consistent, you know, 70, 80 point guy. Yeah. You know, he's probably hoping he'd get a shot at the cup and they were hoping he'd be a piece. And now, well, look for them to be buyers of the deadline. Yeah. I would say, uh, there was a sussy Morgan Riley, Dale Hunter, a guy for taking a clapper on an empty net goal and got five games for it. Uh, definitely far removed from Dale Hunter's 21 games that he got. Now I saw a, a couple of parallels there. Um, I don't believe, I think it was Greg, 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 this kind of a young kid, uh, capping off like a pretty statement win Ottawa versus Toronto. Ottawa took the majority of the games in this matchup throughout the season and got the empty netter, absolutely winding up for a clap bomb and a celly on an empty net goal, uh, which I could see 
why that would piss a lot of people off that aren't Ottawa fans uh, yeah. or Ottawa players. <clears throat> and Morgan Riley just went right after him, cross-checked to the head, uh, put him down. The difference, though, between this and Dale Hunter was that Dale Hunter did this as the New York Islanders were ending the Washington Capitals season in the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> and Dale Hunter absolutely destroyed Turgeon, gave him a concussion and an upper body injury. He had to miss six of the seven next games in the playoffs. And I believe the Islanders ended up losing that series. I'm not exactly sure, but um, <clears throat> definitely a, uh, a cheap shot both ways. Um, I would say Dale Hunter's was a little bit more egregious because of the situation. Like, you're, you know, he knows the season's over. He might as well get his licks in. And that's the type of stuff that in hockey rules, they really double punish you if they know that really you're kind of doing this because you don't think there's going to be any consequences, which perceivably is what Dale Hunter did for that season. Yeah, definitely. It was more sending a message there. And I don't think Morgan Riley has much of a history. He doesn't. Clean history, completely clean. Dale Hunter did not. No. <laughs> yeah, Dale Hunter beat the shit out of a lot of people. Uh, Morgan Riley has not. Um, so, you know, hey, Morgan Riley um, lost his head, understandably so, but his actions were definitely uncalled for, I would say. I don't think he can do that. That's against the rules. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I think five games is fine. Um. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's not enough for Ottawa fans, right? They were probably like, you know, I don't know, string this guy up, draw and quarter him into the, in the streets, uh, make it a public execution. I don't know what fucking these hockey fans think that is, is quality anymore, but either way, it definitely, um, definitely showed a little bit of the uglier side of the game. Yeah, for sure. This felt very, um, <clears throat> very Bush league kind of, Yeah, you'd expect this at like a, I don't know. A high school game. Omaha Lancer game. An Omaha yeah. Lancer game, maybe. Yeah, Omaha Lancer <laughs> game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh so yeah, a little Bush League. But Caps fans, uh, you know what's not Bush League? DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus best expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash, <clears throat> slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Polly, what do you think we just talk about the the Washington Capitals and both the games and some news that, that kind of came down? Let's do it. All right. So I've got like a runny nose today, man. Um, couple couple uh, big news kind of blips that came through. Uh, the new arena in Alexandria is apparently in jeopardy. So – I mean, when when they announced this and it happened so quick, uh, I believe I I quoted I can be quoted saying I'll believe that this is real when they start breaking ground, and you know, Big Daddy Ted can go through and look at the site and make all these renderings and do all this planning and say he's going to do whatever, but it's not just his. Uh, when when you when you're working with with state provided uh, funds and city provided funds. Uh, it's never a done deal until construction starts. And clearly that's been the case. Um, apparently the government had in uh, the governor had pushed approval through uh, without going legislators in Virginia. 
and not the lawmakers that are actually handling this type of bill that goes through and this type of approval. Um, so apparently the organization didn't bring in the right legislators early enough and they're butthurt about it. Also, they're worried that if Leon, the quote that I had heard from the, uh, from the state government in Virginia <clears throat> is that they're also worried that if Leonsis is ready to dip out early on a lease in Chinatown, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, what's stopping him from doing it to them, right? So uh, that's, that's quite a shot, I would say, to question uh, the owner of the professional sports team in the DMV's integrity in this way. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, this could shut down does uh, Leonis lose his um, his offer from Capital One to make the improvements. Yeah. So is that did you hear that as well? Like that because no, of I'm, that? I'm just wondering, you know, like if if Capital One sees that he doesn't have a choice, are they are they gonna be like, well, you know, you're here. <laughs> That's a good point, Paul. That's a really good point because Caps fans, if you'll remember, um, I believe D.C., once the announcement came out, um, the D.C. government was a little bit caught off guard and they countered with like, I, I believe to the tune of $80 million that they would throw down to help improve Capital One, make some renovations. And um uh, apparently it was just a, a um, an empty offer or, you know, an offer that wasn't good enough for Leonsis to stop progress on this. So uh, it's, I, I definitely think that it's a bit, uh, I don't know um, if, if the deal is dead, you're right. I mean, if I was the city of DC, I would be like, you know, wh whatever, <laughs> do whatever yeah, I mean you want. If I was DC, I'd be like, as long as we're up to code and pass inspection, suck it up. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you're a billionaire uh, or multi hundred millionaire. Uh, Ted, why don't you figure it out? Um, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of negative backlash about moving the team out of Chinatown. I, I think that the environment in, in Paul, you were recently there. Um, I think the environment in DC having that, kind of uh, having the team be in DC in a place that once was really crummy and, and, and has seen a ton of improvement. Um, you know, I thought, I think that the, when you go to a caps game, that that environment is absolutely electric. So I don't know. What do you think, Polly? You were there. You've been there most recently. Yeah. I mean, I, so when I, you know, I grew up in Wheeling and we've got our, minor league team and by no means are we anything like dc but the arena is in downtown and we have other things that are outside of town and i can tell you that while they haven't played in the suburbs i can imagine how much worse it would be or not as fun you know so um <clears throat> i'm used to your team being in downtown so when i went to dc I enjoyed that, you know, you're driving through and you're passing all the monuments and stuff. And then you go to the game and you're right there by everything. Like I know they would build shopping centers and stuff around the arena, but there's just nothing that beats being in town for your game. Like, I, I think, yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh does the same thing with their arena, like uh, Columbus, you know, they're in town. Like it's just a better environment to be in town because when the game is over just there's so much shit to do if you want to right. do it before and after and then there's street performers there's just like a excellent vibe there's a yeah. bunch of people in jerseys yelling at each other and stuff you know it's it's a it's cool to be in the middle of dc and to attend a game in dc for the washington capitals not you know out in in alexandria so yeah i mean um I think fans are probably happy about this as, as in general, um, all the Virginia fans are probably like, well, it would have making it would have made it a lot easier to get to for us. But uh, ultimately I think for vibes alone, um, keeping the team in DC is the right move. 
and we've talked a little bit about that. Obviously, we're just a bunch of slobs. We have no real say in this, but uh, it looks like uh, Leonsis's dreams of building his complex and, and headquartering Monumental Sports Network in Alexandria for now uh, is at the very least stalled. Yeah. Sorry, Ted, you don't get to build your pyramid. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Holy shit. Clip that. Um, <laughs> some bad news. Uh, the Washington Capitals placed Matt Phillips on waivers. Now, you know, this is a guy who came in with a lot of hype, a very undersized player, hustle guy, real, real energy dude, um, has seen himself be a healthy scratch recently more often than not. Um, you know, I, as, as a AHLer, Matthew Phillips was a offense driver, got time on the power play, uh, you know, kind of a scoring threat, an offensive guy, right? Uh, he was not really afforded that opportunity here in DC with the big club. Uh, you know, our top, you know, he, he saw some power play time. He saw some time with the top lines <clears throat> for sure, but he never solidified it. He never found the consistency, which is common among amongst young players. So the uh, Washington Capitals ended up having kind of their backs against the wall, needing to get some cap space as they had pack ready, finally come into the lineup as they have Sonny Milano coming back into the lineup after injury. Um, they needed some cap space, so they had to ditch Phillips. And unfortunately the fucking Pittsburgh Penguins claimed him off the wire and got him for literally nothing. Yeah, that's, um, that's a bummer, big bummer, major. Yeah. I think that the big thing that really pisses everybody off about it is that he went to the Penguins, our longtime rival, uh, for nothing. And that stings a little bit, but I'm not sure. And hey, you know, it would be very on brand for this to happen. And then Phillips go on an absolute heater, score every game. You know, when they play against the Caps, score like 10 goals. And, you know, ha, ha, ha. That's very on brand. That I And if that happens, that won't surprise me. But I'm not sure it's very likely. Look, I mean, I like Matt Phillips. I thought he did a good job here. But at the same time, he, he couldn't find that consistency. And, you know, aside from putting a few points up, mostly assists, uh, that was uh, not much that he did. Uh, and unfortunately, being his size uh, hindered him, I think, a little bit on the defensive side of the puck, though he wasn't an absolute you know, plug there. He, you know, we obviously found a little bit of a better uh, alternative. Now, if you were to ask me, who would you rather have in the lineup, Sonny Milano or Matthew Phillips? I've got to go with our boy, Sonny all day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that the Washington Capitals have committed to for the next three years. Uh, You know, they re-upped him. They gave him a contract. Uh, I think Sonny Milano has been a great fit for the Washington Capitals and, and he's got much better of a pedigree. Uh, when it comes to it. So <clears throat> Matthew Phillips seems to be slotted in playing with Puljarvi and Eller in lieu of a rookie that the Penguins had kind of in there who has a high offensive upside, much like Matt Phillips, uh, but just wasn't getting it together this at this point in their season. And the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are absolutely grasping for straws right now, trying to stay afloat in the standings, just like the Washington Capitals are. So they're willing to try anything, and they're getting a guy for free at a very low cap hit. You might as well try it. Um, I wish him luck, I guess. I, I hope that he does well personally, but not well enough that the Pittsburgh Penguins actually gain anything from it. Yeah, I hope they just keep losing 2-1 to one and he scores a goal every game. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, it, it kind of tough to see that and, and – We'll see how he actually goes uh, into it. It's funny that he actually got his first practice with the Yager practice that uh, Yager did for the retirement. So he's definitely getting thrown into the absolute melee of, of the of the media storm that's happening right now in Pittsburgh. So an exciting time in any in any case to be a part of it. Yeah, maybe there's a little less pressure on him because of when he's coming in. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, you know, I think that. Uh, Ber- shout out Nick Berlansky 
he hit me up as soon as this news dropped. He actually broke it to me. I knew Phillips was waived. I did not think that he would go to Pittsburgh. Uh, Nick Berlansky hit me up and said, um, and that's uh, he's the co-host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, and formerly of THPN, him and Nick Horwat. But um, Berlansky hit me up and said, like, you know, what should I expect? And look, Matt Phillips is an energy guy at the very least. If he's going to play third line, second line, whatever, uh, he's definitely dogged on those pucks. He retrieves pucks well for an undersized player. And he's got better than you would think hands and sh- and shooting ability. So, uh, again, kind of a guy who's got untapped offensive potential. And, you know, I guess if there's going to be anybody that will uh, – will open that up. It could be the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. So wish him luck, just not good luck in contributions to the team, if that's possible. Yeah. All right. right. Fuck the pins. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some of these games, man. I mean, uh, on the 13th, the Colorado Avalanche visited the Washington Capitals at home. The uh, Caps, you know, started off badly, giving up two goals in the first after having a couple chances on their own. Um, You know, they were really just unable to dictate play from the start. Uh, They got burned on a couple odd man rushes and ultimately some blown coverage from Protoss resulted in a small breakaway by Colorado's fourth line. And then Taze shot through a really good multiplayer screen and, and they resulted in the second. Uh, then the fourth line during this first period featuring St. Thomas, fourth line St. Thomas came firing back and, and so did the second evening the game in a couple of great zone rushes and bodies to the net. Uh, Beck Malenstein and McMichael both scored uh, two guys that absolutely needed to find twine. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what you like to see, especially in a game like this when, <laughs> you get jumped on like that and you're, you're kind of reeling and they're a quick team and they just keep pounding and getting those guys to score. Um, you know, the boys know who needs to score. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, this is a, it's great to see, uh, you know, and I think depth scoring is uh, pretty important, obviously. And, and I think that we got a lot of that this week, just in this game, definitely not enough. Um, so the first period we get out largely unscathed though. We weren't getting, we weren't playing our best. Uh, and it was a two, two game at the end of the first, but in the second, the caps started to play to even, uh, but then eventually started to slip, you know, and then this is so indicative of the Washington capitals, man. It seems like they have some really good starts lately and piling shots on maybe some fall, maybe some don't. And then as the periods progress, they get less offensive, and and start to kind of get back on their heels a little bit, which is unfortunate, right? And I mean, you could call that age of the team, fatigue, whatever it may be, but the jam just as the game progresses is it's almost like an hourglass, just slowly trickling away on effort, slowly trickling away on ex- execution um, for the most part, even in our wins, even in our wins. I mean, you can see a noticeable uh I guess foot off the gas gradually as the game progresses. And, and, you know, we've, we're an old team, so it's, it's pretty, pretty common to see it right now. It just seems like late in the game and in the middle frame, the Washington Capitals have performed worse than in the first. As of late, at least, what do you think, Paulie? You noticing that too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the best, the best way to win a game is to keep the pressure on. So, I think that trend definitely, um, or not trend, really just personality trait for the team is probably a big reason why the Caps are looking at a playoff spot instead of being in one because, you know, the NHL is full of very talented teams. And if you don't keep your foot on the gas, you're going to get outscored. Simple as that. Yep. 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 Um, so in the second, uh, they ended up giving up a goal off of a nice pass that was initially broken up by McMichael. I mean, McMichael had this pass on his tape. He healed it and unfortunately went right to Lekkonen, who buried in a gaping net. 
uh, a really tough break. You know, again, the Washington Capitals seem to be in position for a lot of these breakdowns, and they just don't put a stick on puck. They don't grab a body. They're in good position, but they don't take that second step to like look around and like, okay, I'm in position. Now, who am I picking up? What lane am I shutting down? Because it either it's happening too fast or they just feel like they're good enough being in that position. But this is the NHL. There's guys who can thread needles and they absolutely will night in and night out on you. So you have to expect it. Um, I, I just think that it's, it's just another kind of, I guess, especially for the young players like McMichael, another kind of mental barrier that they have to get across. You know, when you're, when you're in position, you know, you're in position immediately. The next step is to get your head on a swivel and figure out who's, where is that pass going? Where's the puck at, you know, what lane should I be shutting down right now? And whose stick should I be tying up in front of our own net? You know? Yeah. yeah get everybody, get a guy. Head yeah. On a swivel. Like all the cliches. That's what should be done. Right. Kind of beer league esque, like a really, it's like a, playing against an old beer league team where the, the guys that you're playing against may not be the fastest or the best players, but they're always in position, you know? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Well, that's good enough to generally win in beer league. It's definitely not good enough to win in the NHL. Um, shout out to Gabby, Bruce Boudreaux, coming on back-to-back broadcasts. Uh, this time he was in Capital One. And then uh, in when they, we were in Montreal, uh, that was a uh, – he was like – it looked like he was tuning in from home. Yeah. I love having Boudreaux on. He uh, He's just – that personality is great. He just, he, he makes me smile. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's just such a, such a beauty, that guy. And I'll never, obviously we'll never forget his rant. Uh, if you want it, you got to fucking want it uh, during the winter classic way back when, when Carl Alsner, uh, you know, was on the team and, and uh, I believe Mike Green as well. I mean, just fucking incredible shit. Um, <clears throat> so, Anyways, a two, later on in the game, a too-many-men penalty resulted in a nice man-up play that saw Lekkinen move the puck weak side to a wide-open Rantanen, who roofed it on Lindgren. This play was insane. The The pass was like a no-look. I mean, it looked like it looked like Lekkinen had everyone dead to rights in front of the net, and everyone was holding their breath, and then he just dishes it, no-look backhand to Rantanen, who absolutely one-times it and roofs it on Lindgren. There's nothing Lindgren could have done about that. It was a power play goal. Um, just brutal to see, though, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, this – if you watch the Avalanche, they do this shit all game, every game. Like, their their puck movement is unreal. They're, yeah, you're right. There's nothing Lindgren could have done. Nothing at all. Yeah. Um, just a tough, a tough fucking uh, nail in the coffin, if you will. Or not, because Ovi showed up halfway through the third on a power play goal from the Ovi spot, a classic, uh, and I believe it's Georgiev that was in net. It's just a short side burner, low, um, threading the needle there, dude. I mean, what a laser. Yeah, you know, those are those are some of my favorite goals where you just like, you know, just, you know find the spot. Right. There, there wasn't a spot, but he found one. Just slipping in. You know, and I mean, short side, basically right inside the post. You know, I think Georgiev probably thought he had that angle and no, no, he didn't. So that's Ovi's sixth goal in six games. Let's fucking go. Love to see Ovi's got the scoring touch back. Love to see that he's getting some more reps. Uh, It's great stuff. Um, Unfortunately, though, the caps piled on, um, got piled on in a shit icing call and then gave up two empty netters. So... The final score being uh, six to three. Two of those were empty netters. It was four to three after the OV goal, giving us life. You know, this game did not look, uh, or the final score looked way worse than I think that it actually was, even though the Caps admittedly got outplayed for most of the game. And uh, the scoreboard did show, you know, the rightful winners, I think. I don't think the Caps got robbed here. I just think they got absolutely outplayed, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you'll find a Capitals fan who disagrees. Yeah, I mean, tough, tough bounce, but that's just how how it happens sometimes. Um, so, 
during this game, I thought that, you know, if the, if the caps could play to an overtime, even an OT loss, that would have been a great kind of feather in the hat for them to show, Hey, look, McClellan, we can hang with the Colorado avalanche. We go to force OT and we lose even, um, you know, we've still got it, you know, please send reinforcements. Um, (laughs) unfortunately that didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, you hate to see it. And of course, McClellan, other than waving Matthew Phillips has been quite quiet, uh, leading up to the March 8th trade deadline. I just, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen and I'm fearful for it. We've talked about it ad nauseum and really the story hasn't changed. The Washington Capitals need to continue to perform at a high level for McClellan to even, you know, consider buying anything um, unless it's going to be a trade that he thinks will push will a player that he, that will stay with the Washington Capitals through the rebuild. Yeah. I mean, it's, I would think it's gotta be, either that uh, a quality player that'll be around or someone that'll give them a push, preferably both. Yeah. And I mean, I don't feel comfortable with, you know, shipping off a prospect for a rental. You know, we're, we're looking at people who are going to be here, you know, maybe have term attached to their contract as they come in or are on expiring contracts that we fully uh, intend on re-upping uh, in the next season for you know midterm, so three to five years, I would think. Yeah, it's only worth it if there's a future attached. Otherwise, exactly. just try to feed Ovi goals and let's get ready for September. Right, exactly, exactly. So um, the Capitals get zero points out of that matchup with Colorado. Uh, Colorado played as build, if you will. Um And then we go back to Montreal on the 17th. So quite a bit of, uh, you know, four days of rest, really. Um, Getting into Montreal, trying to get payback for the last time they smoked us uh, in the week previous. And the Washington Capitals played a very good game. You know, the game started strong and the Caps should have gotten on the power play. But the French Connection home cooking refs, got together and reversed the call on the ice. I mean, that was a fucking embarrassment call, dude. Like, uh, I forget the player on, on, on the Canadians, but you know, he's battling, he's got one hand on his stick. He's wrapping up ocean. Oh, stick lifts him. The guy loses control of his stick and hits Strom right in the face. That should have been two minutes. Uh, it doesn't matter the, the things that lead up to a high stick. If your stick is high and he touches another player in the head, that is a automatic high sticking call. The refs had the call right on the ice, got together and fucked it up and reversed the call. Uh, that's that's what you call an overhandle here, folks, and, and really just a, a fucking embarrassment. Bad call, bad reversal of a call. Should have been a penalty. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get it. But the hockey gods saw it, and luckily the Caps didn't t- let it take them down as Jensen sent a shot from the point that leaked out of Jake Allen and right to Anthony Mantha for his 17th of the season. He's officially the second leading goal scorer on the team, right behind Dylan Strom, who has 20 goals. Now, those numbers are abysmal, <laughs> but for those two players in general, they're very good. Both of these guys are working on career years, and I hope to see them only get better down the stretch, uh, you know, for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, you got to feel good being towards the top of the team, you know, try not to focus on the fact that in the grand scheme of things, it's not very good. You know, they should hang, hang their hat on leading their team and put their blinders on to what the stats are around the league. Right. But objectively in the NHL, if you score 20 goals, you are a worthwhile player. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's definitely, you know, I feel like that's a mark that you're like, I've hit 20 teams would be crazy not to want me. Exactly. That's true. Um, you know, and each of these players has, you know, some pretty good assist numbers as well. So I'm hoping for each of them, they're looking at like a 50 to 60 point season. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? There's always a little bit of, of shiny corn flex in the turd that are the Washington Capitals every, every year. Right. Um, so good for them. 
Unfortunately, a minute later, Jockeye uh, scored an absolute blast off the point um, in what was kind of like a controlled rush. Uh, he kind of gets a bump pass at the point. There's a lot of guys in the zone putting up a screen. Um, I will say Darcy Kemper was quite deep in his net, and he had the whole far side gaping when uh, Jackeye, who has an absolute clap bomb, uh, put it on. And that was a clean goal. Um, I believe Jack, I scored the last matchup that we were with him. Uh, this dude's, despite his crazy last name, that does not sound like that because we're uh, dirtbag Americans who don't really know how to say anything. Um, <laughs> the performance that this dude puts on the ice, I mean, being not only an incredibly big physical presence, but being able to hammer from the point and score – uh, very nice. I think he's got a bright future in the league. Yeah, I agree. He's, uh, he's fun to watch. And I mean, I think he's going to be getting a nice contract soon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, while this was the game that Sonny Milano returned back from, uh, and the Washington Capitals seem to be in full force, right? You know, minus Kuznetsov, minus Backstrom, everybody else is healthy. Martin Favari goes down awkwardly and had to leave the ice and didn't return. I saw a tweet from uh, Bailey Johnson said that he was on crutches leaving Montreal. No bueno. Uh, Martin Favari has been a minute eater, you know, not John Carlson level, but getting regular playing time. So the Washington Capitals had to end the game with 5D or play the rest of the game with 5D, you know, just literally this the game, the game where we're all in full force, Martin Faviari goes down. Just if that's not on brand for the Washington Capitals in the past two years, I don't know what the fuck is. Yeah, you know, it feels good to have the universe back in into balance. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um Though the Washington Capitals forecheck was really settling and forcing turnovers in the offensive zone at this point in the game. Um, I thought that the Caps played an incredibly good game. They were hard on pucks. They were forcing turnovers. They obviously were playing with a chip on their shoulder after getting embarrassed last time they were in this barn. So I can't hate on this. I think it, they did great. Um, the, uh, the hard forecheck eventually caused the penalty to be taken by the Habs and the Caps moved the puck very well. And we saw some interesting looks on the power play, right? Uh, Ovechkin playing wide, like high on the point, um, which is quite the gamble, having one of your yeah. not best defensive players be the last man back on the power play. But uh, I, I love the look. And, you know, there was a lot of motion going on on this power play, which is great. Uh, and eventually Strom fed Oshie from the corner with an incredible pass through the defender's legs for Oshie's uh, 300th career goal. Uh, absolutely roofed it one-timer. And, you know, Gabby uh, during the post game said that, you know, the man who's supposed to take Oshie was really cheating to Ovechkin, who is on the right side high point. Um, you know, if that's what needs to be done, I think that's a great look. I think that's just a nice little wrinkle. Like, Changing it up and confusing the defense at any point is always a win. I think that the Washington Capitals executed this well in this power play, and I hope to see a little bit more motion. We've been begging. We've been begging for motion for two or three years now on the power play, and we haven't gotten it. But when we do get it in certain flashes of brilliance, they absolutely dominate. So uh, I like where this went, and I hope to see more of it moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think – We've said this plenty of times. If you, you know, if you got to use Ovi as a decoy, eventually it'll even things back out if they're scoring with the other guys. And yeah. um, eventually he'll get his looks. And basically, you know, if those losers want to just keep a guy glued to Ovechkin, then let him get scored on. Right. Exactly. I mean, um, I, in, in the defensive formation looks complete. I mean, you can just tell it's like there's a magnet on Ovechkin um, yeah. and the whole, you know, at least one guy, if not the whole formation sloughs over to his side. Um, and, and of, of course the goaltender always has to be cognizant of where Ovi is. So uh, definitely 
something that we want to see more of. Good on them for getting that. And obviously, congratulations to great American hero TJ Oshie on his 300th career goal. Yeah, buddy. What a beast. What a beauty. Absolutely. I mean, he's... I love him. I do. Me too. Me too. Um, Side note, officiating has been God-fucking-awful this whole game. You know, they missed the high-sticking call, and the new hook threw a tantrum and really went after Protus in front of the net. And then Protus got called for the interference. You know, how do you not take both of them if you're going to take any at all? Uh, new hook got really high on that. And really I, Protus wasn't doing much to uh, tie him up. I thought it would be, if anything, more of a hook or a hold rather than an interference. Uh, so not only did the refs make a mistake making the call, they, I thought they made a mistake uh, in the actual call that they did call. Did you see this one, Paul? No, no, I, I didn't watch the game. I caught oh. the highlights. Yeah, but it was. It, I didn't it, see this. Officiating is it was like all time low, bad. I mean, straight up, uh, French, French Connection, Quebecois home cooking bullshit here. Uh, by the end of the first, though, shots are in double digits for both teams, and it was an absolute gong show. Uh, both goaltenders are playing relatively well, but um, you know. It was pretty open, and it was what some would for, – for the Washington Capitals, it was a high-scoring uh, game. So something, though, that I did want to point out, Paulie, I thought you may enjoy this. Did you know that many French-Canadian curse words directly translate to, like, Catholic church objects? I did because I read the book. Yeah, you read uh, The Game, right? Yeah. By Ken yeah. Dryden. He covers this early on in the book. Um, and, and I forget his reasoning behind it, but I think that he kind of alludes to how, uh, I guess twisted French Canada is in the sense of, you know, words like Chris, which translates to cross, uh, Calice, which translates to chalice and tabernacle, which is the tabernacle also baptime, uh, baptism. There's a bunch more really any, any church object that is especially a Catholic church object that takes place in any of the ceremonial stuff directly translates to different levels of fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Tabernacle was the one that he seemed to talk most about in the book. Um, I like it. It sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Tabernacle is the most vulgar and profane of all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So these are, and, and uh, do you know why is the tabernacle is the tabernacle like more important than the cross or the chalice or baptism? Well, the tabernacle is where they keep the, uh, the, the leftover blessed Eucharist. So yeah, it's probably the most important. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. And it is the highest degree of fuck in the most profane way that you could say it in the French Canadian dialect. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've all watched Shorzy, um, and you'll catch them saying Kalis, Chris, uh, Baptim and Tabernak a lot. Usually when when they uh like from, from the, the French Canadian guy, from all the Quebec Quebecois on the team in Shorzy, um, you know, you've got JJ, Frankie JJ, right? And then uh they're the other couple guys that all speak French only yeah. or resort to French and the uh they they if you if you listen closely you'll absolutely catch these usually tabernacle is like they'll say that after like somebody gives them bad news and they'll just be like ah tabernacle right so yeah just uh <laughs> quite an interesting thing there that's your anthropology uh uh fucking segment for the capture podcast uh you know when it comes to language as well yeah, we give we give you all. Not only do we give it to you raw, but we give you education. <laughs> yeah, we're educating you. So, if you ever get into, if you ever go to Quebec, you know, remember a tabernacle does not mean tabernacle, uh, and they're not trying to bless you in some sort of holy way. Instead, they're cursing you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like you know, tabernacle fucking American. <laughs> yeah. Context is important. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, 
Moving on back to the game, though, the Caps kept hammering the halves, but Jake Allen really stood tall through most of the second. Um, this really bit us in the ass when the halves scored with three minutes left in the second. New Hook, who you knew after getting involved with protests and, and kind of being everywhere, playing those first light minutes, you knew he was going to get one um, because he's been so in the mix the entire game. So he he got that goal. And then four minutes into the third, uh, Patches and Scarbosa and Milano, which was a kind of a newly formed line with uh, Milano back in the lineup, had some extended zone time, which was not uncommon this game. The Washington Capitals did control the puck a lot in the offensive zone. Um, came in, and Sonny Milano tipped in a nice pass from Patches. Like 20 seconds before this, in the same offensive zone rush, uh, Sonny passed up a shot in favor of going cross-crease for Patches. I thought he should have shot it. Uh, but unfortunately, Patches returned the favor that resulted in the goal. An incredible tip by Sonny Milano. You know, short side, being in front, battling in front. Um, love to see it. Love to see it. You know, a lot of these goals were uh, were either on the power play or just kind of like a, a battle in front. And that's what the Washington Capitals really need. Yeah, need, need the grit. Yeah, and I mean – you saw the first goal Jensen puts in kind of like a nice low, hard shot. It bounces off Jake Allen in an awkward way. And Anthony Mantha is right there to clean it up. I mean, this is the type of stuff that we need to see. Uh, we're not always going to be able to, you know, set up Ovi for a one-timer or, you know, have Dylan Strom march down Broadway and absolutely roof one, you know? So uh, getting those kind of hardworking goals or those goals in those tough areas is, uh, very important and i love to see that this is becoming a bit of a trend it needs to be much more of a prevalent trend moving forward if we're going to make the playoffs but uh a good start uh milano has been huge his first game back he's had a great game he's done a lot on the defensive side of the puck he had a couple of really good for uh, back checks leading up to this and then to get that goal coming back from injury is huge um i think sunny milano has been a great pickup very deft pickup by uh by mcclellan and uh you know I guess we'll just keep it at that. I agree. Um, so since you didn't see it, but at the, at the end of the game, you know, John Carlson took a penalty. It was bullshit. Really breaking up a Gallagher breakaway, Tabernak, um, <laughs> and Suzuki tied it up. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? It's a power play. Uh, Suzuki absolutely sniped. It was off a rebound too. So Kemper wasn't fully set. Uh, just, kind of something that you'd expect after taking a penalty. Uh, luckily, though, Protus buried his first in 29 games as he becomes the hero of the hour. This is a great crash in that play, again, by Mantha, Dowd, and Protus. Um, and then St. Thomas took a high-stick penalty with the goalie pulled. Uh, the refs called an icing at the end of the game, even though we were killing a penalty on a six-on-four. Again, just reiterating how bad the fucking officiating was for this game. But uh, the Caps ended up killing the penalty and taking the 4-3 to three win in regulation. So hard fought, gutsy win. We got more than 30 shots on net, and we scored more than two. In fact, we scored four. Yeah. Let's see what happens when you score goals, you win games. Exactly. Exactly. So last week we said uh, that the Caps – I said the Caps were going to go 2-0. and Polly, you said they would go 0-1-1. Oh, one one. They went 1-1. One one. Um, I mean, I, I guess we'll call that a wash. Nobody was really right. Yeah, yeah, it's a wash. And we were in agreement that Ovechkin would get two goals. He got one. So, you know, hopes were high. And hopefully we see OV not disappear on the score sheet. In fact, he's just taking a breather, and then he's going to score like two or three hat chicks in a row. Right. That'd be just so, so beautiful. Absolutely. So next week on the 20th, we've got the New Jersey Devils at home. Then we travel to Florida on the 22nd and 24th, playing the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers, respectively. These are all three playoff teams. Um, it is not getting easier for the Washington Capitals. We knew down the stretch that they were going to have one of the toughest strength of schedules in the entire league. And it just seems like the thick shit is not going to stop literally until the end of the season. So we're going through a gauntlet right now. Polly, what's your prediction for uh, the record here? 
I think the Caps are going to grab one of these, go one and two. I'm going to go two and one. I'm going to reverse you. Ooh. Look at you. Yeah. 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 Um, and then what do you think for OV goals? I think he'll get two goals this week. <clears throat> All right. I, I've just, I got to hammer the positivity. I think he's going to go three, three goals. All right. Yep. I hope you're, I hope you're completely, well, not right on the record. Hopefully they go three and O, but I hope you win. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. May the best man win as, as it were. Yeah. Um, all right, Caps fans, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, next or on Thursday, the Hockey Chill Hip Check, I'm going to be talking about, you know, kind of hockey players and domestic abuse, uh, kind of inspired by this new Milan Lucic getting charges dropped. And then, uh, Polly, what's snack time with Polly Cupcakes? OV contract retirement goal record. Yeah. So, uh, Recently, it came out that Ovechkin said that he would probably retire after this contract's up. So uh, let's let's dive a little bit into that and unpack that a bit. So, uh, Capstones, we hope to join you, or we hope to, that you join us on Thursday. Until then, Hockey Troll, Polly Cupcakes, sign off. Bye. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trollin on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow me, Polly Cupcakes, at Polly underscore Cupcakes on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore. <laughs>